Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine. It's a brand new year, so Happy New Year, everyone, and we hope you have a great 2023. Happy New Year, Aaron. Happy New Year, sir. How are you doing? Happy New Year. I am doing great. Looking forward to another great year of podcasting and radio with you. And listeners, you are going to notice a lot of changes because we have decided to revamp the show. Every once in a while, it's good to do that, to do a refresh. And our tagline has always been, you know, cruising the rock and roll highway, taking a look at the week that was, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So Aaron, what do you think? Should we buckle up and get started? I am so excited for the new format, and I'm excited for a new year. And Tony, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to another year, some great broadcasting with you. This is episode 82. So let's start with Sunday, January the 1st. And where do you want to head here, Aaron? Let's go to the, let's go to London, London, England, for some a little bit of chart talk. Sounds great. So what happened? This we're going to 1956 here. Yeah, this is this is a weird, well, not weird one, but Bill Haley goes to number one for a second time with his single Rock Around the Clock. It could be because it was used in the, the Blackboard Jungle film. There's a lot of reasons, but this song, this record, uh, it sold millions of copies and at one time was the largest selling single of all time, selling over 25 million copies. Again, remember, Tony, we're talking about going out and buying it, not just streaming 45 seconds. We're talking about getting off your couch, driving to the local record store, taking a bus, and purchasing the record, but UK loved this record. So, and can I ask you a question? Yep. Is he not the most unlikely rock and roll star of all time? He <laughs> is. And you know, I think the, the kid, I mean, it was, the music was so different at first, but then the kids caught on pretty quickly that uh, he was to their minds. Anybody, anyway, anybody over 30 is ancient, you know? So it was just opening the door for a guy like Elvis Presley to walk in. I think it was the kiss curl. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> but you know, it, this didn't translate number one around the world for a second time. So in America, for example, their chart was much, much tamer. If you look at the top five singles at the same time. So in England, they were going into rockabilly and Bill Haney's number one. We have, can I go over the top five? Is that okay? Yeah. And in fact, why don't we go back and forth? So you, you introduce number five and I'll go with sure. number four and okay. Oh, seriously, you're going to give me number five? Okay. Uh, five neat guys. No, just kidding. From Toronto, Ontario, four lads and moments to remember. What a, that's a rocker. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we were talking on our radio show, but that that's totally the inspiration for the five neat guys on SCTV. And uh, check it out, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, because it is hilarious. Number four, The Platters. Oh, what a great song this is, The Great Pretender. You know what I did, Tony, was I put on the Spotify playlist, the Platters version, but I also put on Freddie Mercury's version of that song. Oh, good idea. Yeah, it's a good version. Good version. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, you can always check out the Spotify a list that Aaron puts together every week and radio listeners, you'll get to hear songs between segments. So let's move on to number three. We're not going to be playing this one. <laughs> I love the record, Tony, but I don't like this version. Gale Storm with I Hear You Knocking. I, I take Dave Edmonds anytime. I agree with you on that one. Number two, Dean Martin. Memories are made of this. I love Dean. I don't know about you. Was he big in, when you were growing up, because I know Perry Como was big in your, your household, was Dean big? All, all those Italian guys were big, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was big in our house too. And number one, 
a song that both of us just adore. Tennessee Ernie Ford, 16 Tons. What do you get? Another, Another day, day older and deeper and in debt. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And there you have it, folks. That was Sunday. So we'll be right back. So we're at Monday, January the 2nd. And I think for this story, Aaron, we should go to 1990. But I have a question for you first. Mm. Are you a South Park fan? I, I love South Park. I, I really do. And I haven't I haven't watched many of the most recent episodes. But I've, I, I, I was a diehard fan from the get-go. How about you? Yes, I think it's a, a great show. I haven't watched it as much as you have, but hilarious every clip that i see is absolutely hilarious and they're not afraid to tackle any subject as we're about to discover no i think they're i think when they did the uh covid special was one of the funniest and it shouldn't have been funny but it was very funny yes it was so one of the great enduring characters on that show is chef and he is actually voiced by a famous musician who's he voiced by Isaac Hayes, who had, uh, you may remember him from 19, well, he had many hits, but his biggest hit was Shaft in 1971. Yeah, what a great period in music that was. That soul music from that time was fantastic. What a great voice. I mean, the guy had just this, he has these amazing pipes, right? But I mean, um, He sure does. I don't know what to say here, Aaron. This story is so funny. <laughs> um, well, you know what? We were talking about charts a minute ago, so let's go, let's stick with charts. So he got, Chef goes to number one in the UK singles chart uh, with a song called uh, <laughs> Chocolate Salty Balls, brackets, P.S. I Love You. I don't know why the P.S. I Love You is in there. Which is, <laughs> I that know. always made me giggle too. But uh, this was a, this is a, you know, the funny thing about South Park is they had some, this episode, they had Elton John singing on it, Devo was on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had Joe Strummer from The Clash. Uh, it was a, they had a lot of big name guests. And you would think that any one of those songs would have gone to number one, but nope. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Uh, I guess it's seasonal. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it reminds me of the Saturday Night Live sketch with the, you know, the sweaty, Pete sweaty, the sweaty balls. Have you seen that oh, one? Yeah. Sweaty balls. Yeah. yeah this, exactly. So, if you're a radio listener, you're going to listen to this song, which, uh, you know, if we were on commercial radio, we'd get fired, but this is indie <laughs> radio, so I think we'll be okay. Are you able to put this on the Spotify playlist, Aaron, or not? I did already. <laughs> oh, good. So enjoy Chocolate Salty Balls by Chef, and we'll be back with Tuesday. All right, here we are at Tuesday, and this is a very special birthday that we're celebrating. We're going to go all the way back to January the 3rd, 1926, and Sir George Martin, the producer of the Beatles, the guy who gave them their shot, he was born on that day. Aaron, what can you say about George Martin that hasn't already been said? Well, very little. I mean, this man is, is highly revered, as he should be. You know, he was a composer, arranger, conductor. He started as an engineer. He fought in World War II. He was a pilot. He was a musician, but you know that he, before the Beatles, he did mostly comedy records. He did the Goons and Beyond the Fringe. He did that wonderful record with Peter Sellers, that just is just fantastic. And and um, but Tony, you know, people forget that after the Beatles, he produced all of the hits for America. You know, he produced that great version of "Got to Get You Into My Life" by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yes, um, which is he, a fantastic cover. You love that version, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. 
he he went on to do other stuff beyond the Beatles. And I, listen, if all he did was the Beatles, he'd be all right. And he also started Air Studios, which you know everyone from Sting to Dire Straits to everybody used. Yeah, there was a studio in London and Montserrat. So what a genius this man was. And he worked with that little Liverpool band called the Beatles. Yeah, and he was the one who just saw something, right? The Beatles, it's amazing when you look back how difficult it was, despite the fact that they were on fire in Liverpool. They just could not get a deal anywhere. And we're going to be talking about that later today. But everybody was turning these guys down. And Parlophone was not considered a joke, but it was considered just this tiny little label. But he saw something and he decided to give them their shot and the rest is history. Well, he, he ran Parlophone, right? He was he was the A&R guy for that, like beyond being the producer. And he would also go on to produce other acts from Brian Epstein, you know, uh, Billy J. Kramer, Jerry and the Pacemakers, Scylla Black. So, I mean, this guy worked nonstop in the 60s. And if you read his autobiography, it kind of cost him his marriage. I mean, he was in the studio all the time, right? Yeah, so happy birthday to Sir George Martin. He passed away, sadly, on March the 8th, 2016, but lived to the ripe old age of 90. I think we should do the funny story about when he first produced the Beatles. And they're recording Love Me Do, and they're doing it. And George Martin says, you guys got to feel comfortable to let me know if there's something you don't like. And George Harrison says, uh, well, I don't like your tie for starters. (laughs) And didn't George Martin say right then and there, you know, he knew there was something yeah. about these guys, right? What a cheeky response. And that is so George Harrison. And George Harrison was so young. To, oh, to, yeah. 19. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, folks. That's what happened on Tuesday. We have a, another Beatley story here, Tony, um, for Wednesday, January the 4th. Back in 1962 in Liverpool, there's a fellow named Bill Harry. Now, Bill Harry is really important because he started a magazine in Liverpool called the Mersey Beat, which, by the way, gave the name Mersey Beat to the sound of the music coming out of Liverpool. But on this date in 1962, they published their first popularity poll. And Tony, I'm wondering if you could just take a guess at who won. Well, I'm wondering if it's that little known band uh, that John Lennon started, the, the Beatles, maybe? Yeah, it was their peak. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know who was a clo- who was a close second? Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Jerry and the Pacemakers, and for a while there, people may have thought that Jerry and the Pacemakers would have been the band that broke out of Liverpool, but they were neck and neck for a while. Well, and interestingly enough, Jerry and the Pacemakers did something the Beatles didn't do, and that is. Their debut single, Jerry and the Pacemakers, How Do You Do It, made number one in the UK. And in fact, the first three singles that Jerry and the Pacemakers put out all hit number one. They were the only band to have their first three, de- like their, their debut and their follow-up singles hit number one. The only band that came close was Frankie Goes to Hollywood 20 years later. Oh, yeah. And they had uh, Relax and Two Tribes and Power of Love just missed the number one position. So yeah, anyways. Because Love Me Do uh, only reached 17, right? That's right. And and you know the story about How Do You Do It, which Jerry and, the pa- Jerry and the Pacemakers, their first hit, they didn't write it. It was given to the Beatles first. The Beatles did not like the song, and they wanted to write their own songs. They recorded it, 
And even George Martin had to admit it was kind of lackluster with the Beatles. They weren't really giving it their all. So he gave it to Jerry and the Pacemakers. And he was right. It went to number one. Yeah, very smart decision. So that's Wednesday, folks. And we'll be back with Thursday. And it's Thursday. Where's the week going? Man, that's passing by quickly. So we're going to go back to January the 5th, 1965. And we're going to talk a little Motown. The Supremes, they spent the first of three sessions at Hitsville, USA, which is Studio A, and they were recording the timeless Stop in the Name of Love. What a great song that is. Oh, well, it's written by Holland Dozier in Holland. And you know what's funny? I, we, were, we were supposed to go maybe in January, but we'll have to put it off till March because of, of stuff I got to do. But we've got to go to Motown in Detroit. Maybe we'll do it in March. You know what? Let's make that a definite. Let's do it in March for sure. Okay, so we're going to do it because you will love, you will, you will, are going to, I know you're a Motown fan and you're going to see Studio A and you're going to see where they recorded all these songs and the echo chamber for My Girl and all that kind of stuff. It is so cool. It's a great tour. You know what I'm looking forward to seeing too is that I, I've only seen it on uh, video is the little note that the Beatles sent them. Uh, did you see that in person, that little note? Have you been? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I saw it in person and, and the piano. That Paul McCartney refurbished for Motown is there too. Oh wow! I can't. So, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's and you know what? It's a small studio. You're going to look at the house and you're going to go, "Hey, Aaron, this is a 20 minute tour at best. No, two hours. I'm telling you, you you, you will die. It's just great. It's oh, fantastic. I cannot wait. And what an era that was for Motown in the '60s. And we've talked about this before, but I mean, they were duking it out with the Beatles. It was back and forth, the Supremes and the Beatles, and. Now we are taking a look at the U.S. Billboard Top 5. So I'm going to uh, turn to you for number five. What what came in there? I think you should take number five, my friend. I think I think you should go with because it's um, let's let's you start the top of five. I'll do four and two. Okay, that sounds good. We're still getting the new format nailed down here, folks. So, <laughs> all right, number five, the Searchers with Love Potion number nine. Oh my gosh, I just had a blast from the past, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the funny thing about these songs is you hear the title and then all of a sudden the song just clicks in your head. Oh, yeah. it's for me, you know. Oh, yeah. no, me too. I yeah. I haven't heard that forever. I know, right? And number four is a weird one because it's a B-side. It's a B-side. The Beatles, She's a Woman, is actually the flip side of a single that's gonna be on the charts later on. So number four, the Beatles, She's a Woman. And number three, this guy seems to pop up on our shows a lot <laughs> lately. But too much. Too much, I agree. <laughs> Bobby Vinton with Mr. Lonely. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Um, maybe there was a reason. Number two, the Supremes. You see, we were just talking about the Supremes. And here they are recording Stop in the Name of Love. And they're number two with Come See About Me. And the number one song, a classic. No surprise here in 1965. It's the Beatles' I Feel Fine. This is one of my favorite songs, actually. Just, and that's the A side too. She's a woman. It feels like they're moving in that new direction. Eh? When they start doing songs like I feel fine. And I love Ringo's drumming in this song, by the way. Oh, isn't it great? It's fantastic. Yeah. Now, before we go on to the next day, I think that we should give a shout out because there was also a special birthday on this day in 1923, Sam Phillips, the founder of Sun Records, the guy who gave Elvis his shot was born. So happy birthday to Sam Phillips, Sun Records. We did a whole episode on that label on our Memphis to Merseyside radio show. 
but look at the list of names who went through that studio. Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Ike Turner, B.B. King, Jerry Lee Lewis, and on and on and on. Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison. Yeah, fantastic. So happy birthday to Sam Phillips, and we'll be right back with Friday. And it's Friday. We made it. Uh, we were just mentioning off uh, off air, Aaron, that I'm treating this like casual Friday. You know, <laughs> we always pre-record these shows, and I'm sitting here in my sweats and, and an old T-shirt, but that's okay. This is one of those songs. We're going back to January the 6th, 1973. This is one of those songs that engendered so much speculation over the years, and finally she came out and confirmed at least some of it. Of course, we're talking about Carly Simon's classic song, You're So Vain, with Mick Jagger on backing vocals. This song actually could have been about Mick, you never know, but uh, Mm. this started a three-week run at number one in the U.S., and there was always speculation about who is this song talking about, wasn't there? Well, and and I always thought it was a bit ironic. There's all the speculation. Who are they talking about? Who's she talking about? And it's from an album called No Secrets. Well, there's a lot of secrets, Carly. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I knew I always thought it was all about Warren Beatty, but it's not right. It's a just one verse. Yeah, just one verse, and she confirmed that. But she never said in in 2015. That's how long it took for her to actually say, "Yeah, you know what? The first verse was about Warren Beatty." But there's two other gentlemen, and she I don't think she's ever confirmed who they're about. So there, there's so much speculation there. But this album, No Secrets, it made number one. You're So Vain, number 92 on Billboard's Greatest Songs of All Time. The original title, I didn't know this until I saw your notes, Bless You, Ben. That's bizarre. <laughs> it can, but it, it go, you're so vain, bless you, Ben. She just thought the, the lyrics were trite. And I, who's Ben? We don't even know who Ben is. Not the rat. Not the rat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I love, I got to, I tell you, Tony, true story. I have the original single because my mom bought it for me when I was um, eight years old because I hadn't turned nine yet. And I just loved the song. I like the sound of the piano in the song. I always thought it was a really different sounding song. And even to this day when I hear it, and I don't hear it often on the radio. I really don't. But I hear it on my Spotify or I pull out my 45 what a great, great, and her voice. Oh my gosh. I love Carly Simon. So do I. Have you ever seen her show she did at uh, Martha's Vineyard there? I did. Yeah. Yes. What a fantastic show. Do, do you remember the, uh, maybe this is, the, maybe I shouldn't say this joke, but there, do you remember WKRP in Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah. There was a great line once where Johnny Fever is talking to Vita's Flytrap and he goes, do you want to go down to the record library and look at Carly Simon album covers? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was a great line. That is a fantastic (laughs) line. Now you put in the UK top six here. So let's, let's run this down and you know what? I'll start at number six and I'll give you. Well, you know why, you know why I added number six? I, yeah, there's no big surprise here, but being the Beatles fan that you are. So John Lennon, happy Christmas war is over was number six on January the 6th, 1973. What was number five? Okay. Slade, who I love. And I love this title. And I'd like to, I wish people could see it. It's Goodbye to Jane, but it's G U D B U I T apostrophe Jane. So it's Goodbye to Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, David Bowie with the Gene Genie, which great title. Again, classic. And then he did Blue Genie. I always, I always thought the songs were connected, you know, maybe they're not, but. 
Number three, oh my gosh, I did not like this song even as an eight-year-old. Sorry. I don't like it either, so. Osmonds, Crazy Horses. <laughs> now, T-Rex, though, I was a big fan. I love Mark Bowen. Um, T-Rex, Solid Gold, Easy Action. And do you remember? He was he was quite the heartthrob back in the day. Boy. Well, I, I always thought it was funny. It was Beatlemania and T-Rex to see. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you know, Tony, you are uh, a very dear friend, my best friend. So I'm going to give you the honor of number one, because I know you're a fan of this um, artist. <laughs> well, you know what? Just give me a second to uh, maybe take an insulin shot or something here. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, we talked about him a little bit on our Bubblegum Pop episode on From yeah, Memphis did, to Merseyside. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Little Jimmy Osmond, long-haired lover from Liverpool. I, I have not heard that song and I and I don't know that I'm going to. Well, I will when I listen to your Spotify playlist. You've never heard the song? No. Oh, Tony, you're in for a treat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and a toothache yeah. or what? Oh, toothache. And maybe, you know, your your, your blood sugar level is going to rise up and uh, you may want to give your ears a flushing. But other than that. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, we're going to go full circle here musically because there was a birthday that we should celebrate on January the 6th in 1953. Malcolm Young, guitarist with ACDC. I mean, we're both big fans of that band and Malcolm Young was born on January the 6th, 1953. Tragically, we lost him on November the 18th, 2017, and he was only 64. Young, eh? So young. So very, very young. Now we'll be right back with Saturday. So Tony, for Saturday, January the 7th, 1955, we're going to go full circle. We started the uh, show off talking about Bill Haley and his comments, making number one with Rock Around the Clock a second time. Well, coincidentally, January 7th, 1955, he makes number one with Rock Around the Clock for the first time. The original title of the song is We're Going to Rock Around the Clock Tonight, and you know it's one of those songs you, you just it's it's kicks off rock and roll to some extent again i mentioned earlier he he was an unlikely rock and roll star but man he could rock i mean those songs are great you know shake rattle and roll yeah and rock around the clock is a classic in my books well i think more than anything it brought awareness of this music into the national consciousness you know even though technically nowhere near being the first rock and roll song but the first rock and roll number one also used remember in the film blackboard jungle and look at the effect that that had on people oh rioting rioting in the movie theaters in the uk you know as i i, I always loved that story about lennon going to go see it because it got banned and then he went to see it later on and he was thinking there was going to be all these riots and he said people just had their eight popcorn and watched it so <laughs> No, exactly. But, you know, you hear stories, people ripping the chairs out of the theater and throwing the chairs. Like, that's wild. But do you remember we covered a story about a concert, I think it was in Germany with yep. Bill Haley, and it just turned into a full-scale riot, didn't it? It did. And, and you know, we had speculated that, I mean, German teens just felt so alienated from the society that they had inherited, right? And, and this was just a release valve for them. Because this is not long after the end of the Second World War, right? We're, we're only talking 10 years here. Yeah. And and that riot, and it was a riot. 
I mean, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I remember, we looked at some film footage of it. It was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nuts. So, Aaron, we've made it through the week, our first week of the year here in 2023. But we all know that, as the Beatles song says, there are eight days in the week. So we'll be right back with day number eight and maybe the biggest Beatles story of all time that has endured to this day. So here we are with the eighth day of the week and... You know, there are a bunch of Beatles stories that are famous, but perhaps none more than this one. And it happened so early on in their career. Of course, we're talking about them auditioning for Decca Records on January the 1st, 1962. And Dick Rowe, whose name comes up on our show quite often, turned them down. And is this is widely considered to be the biggest mistake in music industry history and Decca boy they were eating crow after this one you know they selected Brian Poole and the tremolos but there there's so many things that happened as a result of this mistake on Decca's part weren't there <laughs> and you know Dick Rowe became the butt of everyone's joke and I was just I swear I was reading an autobiography by a member of a group called Deacon Blue and the person who was producing Deacon Blue was Dick Rowe's son and he got the opportunity to work with Giles Martin on a, a reissue of a Beatles song. And when it went to number one in the 90s or 2000s, he said, I'm, I'm doing this for my dad so we could finally have a number one with the Beatles. I oh, mean, boy. Geez, poor, poor family. Can you imagine being the, the kid? Of, hey, isn't your dad the dude that turned down the Beatles? Oh. But, you know, you know, to, the one thing that he did do correctly was that the Beatles went to him in 63 and said, listen, you passed up on us, don't pass up on the Stones. Well, that's and, right. Yeah, so because of the Beatles, Nick Rose signed the Rolling Stones, which, you know, it was a good thing for Decca. By the way, Tony, for those of uh, for those of you listening to the podcast version of this show, if you go to the Spotify playlist, I actually put in some Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Oh, nice. And you can hear how they're infinitely better than the Beatles. <laughs> now, I always thought the choice... Tongue-in-cheek, tongue-in-cheek. Exactly. I always thought the choice of... January 1st was an odd one. And, you know, when you look at the story behind the audition, I mean, they got lost on the way there. It was a massive drive. It was, I don't know what the normal drive from Liverpool to London would be, but this drive took them, what, eight or nine hours or something because of snow. And it was just a mess all around. And did you, did you read the, that they didn't have heat in the van? So what they would do to keep warm is they would take turns piling on each other so they would at least one would be warm for a while, and he would go on top, and then they would change drivers because it was just a nightmare. And they get to London, and they didn't have a hotel room; they had to drive back after the audition. So, oh, my goodness, uh, just just and you know, I have all the audition tapes. I've got an album, a bootleg, the Beatles' deck audition tapes, and I don't know why they didn't get signed. Quite frankly, I mean, George Martin heard the exact same audition tapes and signed them. Yeah. But it's it's a fun thing to listen to, and I put a couple of the audition songs on the Spotify playlist, and maybe we'll play something on the show uh, because it's the, the, you know, Sheikh of Araby is brilliant. But yeah. um, 
Well, Brian Epstein was pretty convinced they were going to get signed too, I think. By all accounts, they had, like DECA had made it look like, yeah, 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 a, a deal be coming. And, and they got turned down. But what was the line? I love the line. So we got to say the line in the rejection <laughs> guitar bands are Guitar bands are on their way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, Dick just missed that one at every turn. <laughs> and now this segment, you know, we're calling this the eighth day of the week segment because we know there are eight days in a week. You had a story about where the Beatles got the title for that song, though, so... Yeah, the Beatles were really good at taking things that people said and then turning them into a song. And one of the, they had a chauffeur named Alf Bicknell who worked with them from the entire decade of the 60s. And uh, Paul gets in the car one day with John, and they said, uh, hey, Alf, how are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm tired. I've been working eight bloody days a week this week. That just went, oh, that's a good line. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, folks. And Aaron, we're at the end of our week I love this new format, by the way. I do too. I like it a lot. Yeah, this will be fantastic. And so whether you're listening on the podcast version or on the radio, we hope you've enjoyed it. And you know what's going to be cool is that at the end of this year, we'll have covered basically every single day of the year, which is amazing. I'm looking forward to that so much. The music that you've heard today has been written by Rick Denis. This has been an M2M production recorded here at the Bunker Studio in Perth, Ontario. Aaron, just always a pleasure. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year to you, too. And I look forward to, uh, we, for those of you listening, Tony and I have got a few trips planned this year, and I'm so excited. One of them being Detroit, and I think Nashville's on the table, too, yeah, right? Yeah, Nashville and Memphis. We've got to get down there as yeah. well. Oh, Memphis, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, to, yeah. got to go see the shrine, you bet. <laughs> so, folks, all the best to you in 2023. Thanks for letting us into your headphones, and we will see you next time on the Wayback Music Machine. 